0: Yeah it's eleven forty seven in the central time zone. It is twenty third of September in twenty twenty one, the second year of the plague. It's gonna keep that one going until it's all over. Willing to take bets into twenty twenty five, probably. Uh all right, there's a minefield recording with just Joshua and Tony or Joshua and Column tonight. Tony is out tonight, he's working. And we're already tired, so let's see what we can do. Okay, Sound Saint Clap in three, two. One.
1: Guys, welcome to Minefields. I'm talking to a very, very... Uh, what, what would you call it? Are we bush? Are we tired?
0: We're, we're kind of fatigued. I mean, I haven't got a lot of rest in the last several days. I drove my girlfriend and my mom to St. Louis for a wedding this weekend, and it was like... Get up, go someplace, do stuff all day. Go back to the hotel, which is way downtown. Get cleaned up. Go to another function. Oh, you're up all night. And it was like, oh man, it was rough, dude. It was. I loved it, and I was also kind of like, oh my gosh, at the end of it, just a little bit burned out. And uh, I love my family. I don't get to see all of them enough. There was a lot of inequity, uh, but. Um, I could go into excruciating detail, but uh, I don't think anyone would appreciate that. So, how are you feeling on your level of fatigue?
1: Well, it's funny. We talk about fatigue, but the true point of the matter, the true truth, the the perfect truth, is that you Mm -hmm. and I had a limit-pushing week.
2: (laughs)
0: Honestly, that's kind of the case, yeah.
1: Fucking New Era show, Saturday night. Doing uh, 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 Filming promos Doing uh, all of the promo photos Running production It was one of the most Limit pushing nights of my life The wrestling was off the scale It was so great It was the most chill Now, I've been in great locker rooms before But this mm-hmm. one was the most chill Everyone was, like, the second they crossed that line, the back room, it was, like, all the armor comes off and just all the weight just, and it was just camaraderie. It was, let's talk about it, but it was on a soft tone. As opposed to, like, yeah. when, how excited I was about how great uh, Square Circle Pro was. There's a lot of energy there. I'm not saying there's a lot of energy in the backstage of uh, New Era Pro Wrestling. I'm saying the second you walk back there, it was, like, uh like into a jacuzzi, <laughs> into a jacuzzi type,
2: type,
1: yeah. type, like as opposed to like get your shit off and like now your feet ain't hurting because those boots aren't hurting no more. And it was it was like straight into a fucking like hot tub. And, okay. Uh, as I'm as we're leaving, uh, we go have dinner as a standard with all the elite of uh, eliteness uh, We go have dinner. And I never talked pay with uh, the gentlemen that run you New know, Era Wrestling. Mm-hmm. By room. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cannot mention who owns it. Kyle
0: Apparently Kyle. not. Yeah. yeah, who does not happen to be uh, working with us currently has well, has a has late night.
1: Well, obviously, mindfielders know we're talking about. Uh, but
0: <laughs> if you're
1: minefielders,
0: you know what's up.
1: I was paid exorbitantly.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Professional, uh, professional achievement unlocked.
1: Uh, even better. Um, I was saving this for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Tony said, "If when we give this to you, you're gonna cry. Do you want to see it now, or do you want to see it at dinner?" I'm like, "I'll wait. I'm too busy." <laughs> I, I, I really I literally couldn't handle anything else even if it was good <laughs> and, and yeah we, we get to dinner and um, we're at um, okay I can never remember the name of the place in Denver but I know it's what doc Brown says all the time as a, as a uh, exuberant I'm upset like it's heavy or something like that or great Scotts
0: Oh great Scott. Yeah, Scott. yeah, there you go. Great it, Scott. It,
1: it, it's Great it's, Scott. It's this mm-hmm. wonderful fifties diner that's open late night as fuck. And mm-hmm. great service, great food, and you can buy you can get liquor there. <laughs> and we Dude, all need-
0: I could go for a place like that right now if they serve pie and coffee. Oh and yeah, if oh. they throw a throw a nice JMO at me. Or
1: all something. all of the above. The mm-hmm. only thing that was lacking was a smoking section, like, like something like, but it was funny. Um, I made friends with some really cool chicks, like my friend Candace now, and, uh, we're sitting there chatting and, uh, we look over, uh, over yonder and we see this like group of like really lame goths <laughs> 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 like, like yep. that don't know the pure exuberant joy of getting to Denny's and sitting there for four hours drinking coffee, four hours of
0: village in with cigarettes and coffee, cigarettes,
1: coffee, and sketching and your comics or sketching. You're, you're talking about I'm making a drawing. Yeah, yeah. and um, my felt tip pen. Well, I'm given, <laughs> I'm given my pay, and uh, Candace starts laughing, and I'm like, "What?" Because they give it to me in one of those like uh, metal clipboards that, like, has has storage in it.
0: Yeah, I've got those for... I just rented a bunch of those to a movie.
1: And, um, I'm about to open it, and Kenneth's is like, they... Jeff and Morales said, you're gonna cry. And I was like, Mm -hmm. is there gonna be a cure for small penises? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um... um, Yeah, right. So I assume it's a comic book. I open it up, and it's the first print, 9.9 9. perfect. First appearance
0: of Carnage. Oh, okay. I got you now. Yeah, First please. appearance of
1: Carnage, and I just, I shut it real fast, and I'm like, did I just see what I saw? And then I open it up again, and I I immediately just started weeping. And, oh, dude, that's nice. Uh, like, it, I, it wasn't because Candice cued me to it to, like, be on stage, but, like, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, we were raiding my uh, my storage and going through my comics, and I thought I had a first print of uh, Carnage, but it was actually a second print. And Jeff's like, mm-hmm. well, we're going to give you Spidey 300 or this one. And um, I'm like, okay. He's like, but Tony said that you wanted this one. And I was like, I absolutely would have wanted this I, like Carnage is the man to me. <laughs> like. Like, since mm-hmm. I was a child. And, um, dude, I, I, I wasn't, like, like couldn't, like, breathe, like, boogers and, like, you know. and then, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I was holding a relic. Though the white yeah, background, I, not the silver no. one.
0: <laughs> sure. Man, I can't remember the last time anybody actually was like, here's the comic book you've been looking for forever.
1: Right. And, um,
0: would have been 20 years.
1: And I, I don't want to get too bummer, but then we got news of, um, Benjamin Cumberbatch here in, uh, Denver, uh, taking a, a Canadian pile driver off of the, uh, balcony and having some serious neck issues and in, in the hospital. That's Tony's best friend, man. And, um, the girls, Handled themselves well, but like it was, it was an issue. Um, now, here's the thing, and I, and I really want all our listeners to know this because a lot of things happened when we got a video of it, and then all the text messages and the phone phone calls started rolling in. It wasn't anybody's fault. Something went wrong in a wrestling show. It happens. No one is to blame. At all, mm-hmm. owner of the Fed blames himself. Not his fault, but he is taking extreme re- responsibilities for it, as if it was. He's not being classy. He's not doing the uh, I should do this to make everyone happy and make himself look good. No, he's legitimately, legitimately torn the fuck up about this. And it's not his fault. Primo's pro wrestling is one of the funnest goddamn things. I, I it's it it was better than it's better than Disneyland. And Tyra, Joey, if you're listening, uh, Vernola, not your fault. We love you. Not your fault. It happened unfortunately, but we're talking this gentleman that owns the the company has gone above and beyond to make sure that. Uh, Cumbie is taken care of and doing every little goddamn thing he can do. And we all have good faith that, uh, Cumbie's going to be, be okay. That's our affectionate word for him. But, um, you know, it happened and it's okay. Uh, I know he's going to be okay. And you know why I know it's going to be okay? Because he has to be okay because we all have to have faith. No word has been told of the family uh, yeah. in terms of uh, what has actually happened and its condition. And they're keeping it close-knit because they're close family and very private. So when news gets out about what's happened, it's going to be very careful and calculated. And we want no interference and no bullshit about asking details. Um, the GoFundMe is on all of the Minefields websites right now. Uh, Twitter... Instagram, you name it. I think the last time I checked, it was up to eleven grand. And God bless you, I Hope you get better. And um, you know, it, it. I'm sorry that happened, to you, but it 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 just it happened, man. And um, I don't want to bring the the show down. I just um, we'll pray for him.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, I don't even know. This guy, I've never, ever been able to make it to any of these shows in Colorado. I've barely even been able to scratch the surface at what I could go to see that were what I would qualify as like non-major brand uh, wrestling, even in my state, in Oklahoma, let alone any of the other states I get to travel to. And I don't want to see anything like this happen to anybody. So, to me, it's a matter of just get a dude back up, get a lady, get anybody, whatever, if they're performing, get them back up on their feet so they can do the best that they can to function as easily and healthily as possible. And wrestling may be their primary passion, but you've got to set that aside just to be healthy. And then after that, it's a matter of, can you get up and be that physical again, you know? And it just depends.
1: You know, today is our two-day anniversary of interviewing uh, Vic Devine. Not much, oh man.
0: Our two-day.
1: Two, two, two years, sorry.
0: Two year, two year, dude. <laughs> two years. Yes. Two years. Man, and, yeah. And, and, How's he doing? I haven't oh, talked to him in a while.
1: Oh, dude, he's he's a beautiful man. Uh, I'm 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 is proud of. I'm proud living of him. the dream. <laughs> he's, he's doing his best, and we'll we'll do our best to get to um, Las Vegas and. You know, go to the feds and meet him. And I, what I really want to do is like show up, make some good money taking some portraits, and uh, also uh, fuck the money. I, I want to stay up like till five in the morning, drinking like cold scotch with fucking <sighs> Vic Devine and crashing on his floor. I don't I'm 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 I am i am i i do not want to fall asleep on the couch. With his wacky,
0: he didn't he have a wacky dog. Yeah, it's like, yeah. dude, get that damn dog to chill out yeah, so we yeah. can
1: record. Yeah, but but even then, <laughs> like, I, I don't want to wake up on a couch all comfy. I want to wake up on a floor all hurty, and like, we we, we did it last night. <laughs> we did it yeah, last yeah. night. Like you know, like like we we pushed the uh, like we pushed our livers to the max and partied with a, a, an absolute gentleman. I, I this he, sweet
0: guy for real.
1: Hey, he's such a good guy. Man. Um, a couple of things that happened this week uh, we haven't talked about yet Um, did you watch the Matrix trailer yet?
0: oh yeah I totally did I watched it one time and one time only and I was like that's fine I want that to carry me into my viewing I'm not going to obsess over this I've got to the point with trailers like I had a movie that I worked on earlier this year and the trailer is out for that movie and that movie is coming out on Christmas Day and I was like, okay, cool. I watched the trailer. It looks good. I'm going to go see it. It's going to be a big deal. Girlfriend and I worked on that show together. Like, The Matrix, on the other hand, I don't want to know anything about else about it. The same thing, like, I don't need any more Star Trek Picard trailers. I don't need any more of this. I don't need any more of that. Just show me it one time. I want to see it, and then I want to go see it, and that's it. Yeah. Wanna... What do you think, though?
1: I watch the trailer probably about four or five times a day.
0: Shit, dude, you're a very different cat than I am on that.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I I'm not exaggerating. Uh, I, I, it's usually the first thing I watch when I wake up. <laughs> since it happened. yeah, all right. And um, I'm so excited for the mythology. Um, I, I remember my sister was like, she thought I was so fucking stupid. She's like. You like The Matrix more than Star Trek and Star Wars. I'm like, yes, yes, I do. Yes, mm-hmm. yes I do. I, I, I really, in fact, love The Matrix more than all of those movies combined. And storylines. I, I like The Matrix that much. And um, the little bits that made me happy were the fact that uh, Dr. Manhattan is playing Morpheus. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. New Doctor Manhattan from the Watchmen yeah, trilogy. Yeah. Um, oh, the Watchmen TV series. The mm-hmm.
1: the, the post-revolutions quick mm-hmm. flash of the aliens working... Oh, not aliens. The, the robots working on, on Neo and his eyes are burnt out. So, you know, it's post-deletion you know, of Smith. And then we get the emergence of Trinity out of one of the pods. And... Like, it, it just, they're, they're, like, I'm curious because they, a lot of the scenes, well, not a lot, maybe I don't say like a third, were um, redux, redos of uh, shots from the original Matrix, like when all the bullets were falling from the helicopter, or stopping the bullets, but like, in different yeah. scenes, um, I'm really, really curious. Curious, and I have all the faith in the world because my my previous I'm sad movie was Mean Girls, but now it's uh, Speed Racer by the Wachowskis. Anytime I need, <laughs> any, okay. Anytime I need like a dose of humanity and hope, I always watch Speed Racer, and the Wachowskis okay. did not disappoint on that. And I'm I'm looking for I'm I could go down. I don't want to say the pun, the rabbit hole of where this movie can go. I actually put the brick wall up in my head. Like, we had a huge conversation off camera at one time. About, yeah, right. About mm-hmm. it. But, like, there's a brick wall. Completely. I don't want to get past it. I want to, you know, what Would they serve us. And I'm going to be happy for it.
2: Because mm-hmm. they've,
1: mm-hmm. they've never let us down.
0: That's the thing. I mean, I love every one of those movies. I don't I have a lot of people pissed and moaned about the third movie or the second movie. And I'm like, dude, I remember sitting there watching the whole car chase in the middle of the second movie and just thinking, I just turning to my friend who was right next to me. And I was like, what else can they possibly do in this show? And then they, through the score, through the editing, through the performance, through the script, through the direction, Killed me with the rest of the second movie, and uh, yeah, there you have it. That's kind of where I was with it.
1: I was all about the motion. I, I didn't know anything about filmmaking, or well, I do know a little bit of photography. Um, but Mafuni's mm-hmm. uh, Last Stand, the kid. Oh yeah, the kid. I mean, I mean, like it was something else, and we've got something really good to look forward to on, on the holidays. Um, yeah, I think it's
0: gonna crush.
1: I, yeah, we we've got uh, don't we have a Marvel? We got uh, Venom coming up. October Venom's August.
0: coming up. Uh, I watched the trailer once, and I was like, I'm just gonna watch this. If I watch, that's the thing. There's a spectrum. If I watch any more Carnage, Venom, Carnage trailers, I'm gonna be like, this looks freaking stupid, and I'm gonna talk myself out of wanting to see it. Uh, simultaneously, Shang Chi. Why the hell haven't I gone to see that yet? I've just been busy. And every time I see a tr- – I sit just constantly inundated on Facebook. Like, hey, Shang-Chi, when are you going to go watch that is kind of the feeling I'm getting. And I'm like, dude, if I had a minute, I'd go check it out. Like, yeah, yeah I need to go watch Shang-Chi. Um,
1: my stray minute of the week, my literal yeah. one stray minute of the week was when we got back from the spring to the Springs last night from Denver. Um, we stopped at McDonald's and i was like oh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy and i want a fucking four piece McNuttie happy meal
0: four pieces
1: <laughs> and i want a uh, big and tasty or whatever the fuck it was and uh, mm-hmm. we 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 chatted down those fries were extra long and extra greasy and it was a 5 minute meal but it was goddamn good and i got this stupid ass frozen fucking toy <laughs> But,
0: um, oh, are you showing it to me? Yeah,
1: I'm showing it to you.
0: For those of you minefielders who are at home and unable to view our live stream, Joshua Michael is attempting to show me a frozen toy, though he is uh, not centrally positioned in front of the camera. Thus, oh, it's a—I don't even know what that is—a snowman with a carrot in his nose. Yeah,
1: I've—I've actually—I've actually managed to avoid the frozen train. Well, know. you
0: don't have any kids, yeah. and I yet have a child, and have never seen it.
1: That's because that's because your your child is uh, not a pussy and likes good <sighs> shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's heavily into dinosaurs and Godzilla stuff lately, as, uh, as... which is not to say that uh, a lot of other cutesy stuff. He was—I remember when he was little, he was super into Paw Patrol, Yo Gabba Gabba, and. Um, uh, there was one other thing that I had. Oh, 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 the wild kratts. Super cool. I still think about the wild kratts. I did go to the St. Louis Zoo this week and, uh, thinking about animals. Oh, man. you. Uh, I'm, I'm in a different world of thought right now, thinking about how primates are on the verge of extinction. It's heartbreaking.
1: Speaking of, uh, cock blocking and, uh... What? And also, uh... Childhood nostalgia. Uh, uh, remember, I had like that that big cut in the back of my head. That score. Yeah, that yeah. I was
0: thinking that, about that the other day.
1: That, that erased two years of memory. and I had a uh, that it had a flashback, mm-hmm. and it had to be triggered. And, you know, I remember this a couple really of months, a couple months ago, but it's been in the forefront of my mind because everyone has all been about how. Oh, Steve Burns from Blue's Clues is black, and he misses us, and he's proud of oh, us. Oh, yeah, that was cute as hell, man. Um, did I, I
0: never you? once watched Blue's Clues, and neither did my kid.
1: I never once watched watch Blue's Clues either, but did I ever tell you my Steve Burns story?
0: No, what do you got? Oh, wait, yeah, 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 wait, you posted about it the other day, but el- uh, uh, elucidate.
1: Yes, okay, so Steve Burns is a very nice gentleman that lives in Oklahoma City. And What? Yes, he does. <laughs> He lives in OKC. Uh, he used to go to the club I used to DJ at all the time called Light, and Light was owned by those five or six rich assholes that, like, own, like, the mantle and, like... All, like um, sure. Well, I'm DJing at Light. It's, like, a fucking Wednesday, and um, I, it's busy. It's, like, mm-hmm. I'm getting away with some serious weird shit, uh, like, because I was always experimental. I, I just I just... I played weird shit because I was in Oklahoma City and the place is fucking uncultured. As a yeah, movie. why wouldn't you? And I was getting away with it. Well, I saw Steve Burns at the bar, sitting next to this fucking hot-ass, big-titty blonde. And I'm not trying to be crass. They were huge. Like, like like, like, like they were G's from 50, 60 yards away. <laughs> um, well... The very next day, my sister and I go to, uh, the Mont, uh, not the Mont, uh, I can't... Oh, yeah. No, no, the Mont's awesome. the outside one. This one was the yeah, one on... Yeah, in Norman. Yeah, uh, in Norman. Uh, the one we went to, they had a bingo night, kind of, I'm spacing on the name. It was on, like, that one really big skyscraper they have there that is... vast like, It's, it's, it's like, it's concrete from the back and there's no windows, but there's the, the top, and um, they would have these bingo nights, and my sister and I uh, would go there all the time on a specific night that they had bingo night, and
2: mm-hmm.
1: the waitress that was working there was our friend that used to work with us at Johnny Carino's, and so she, she didn't mind, like, letting Robin drink and carding her, and, um, well, we were playing bingo with her, uh, now husband, uh, Dusty Boots, and, um, we're leaving. I'm like, hey, isn't that Steve Burns over there? And, like, the blues guy? I'm like, that's Steve Burns. Like, he's got a big mustache, and he's completely bald. I'm like, that's Steve Burns. He goes to the club all the time. And, uh, eventually we end up in the elevator leaving together. And mm-hmm. as we're leaving, I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. I didn't get say uh, hello to you, because he was always super cordial to me. Like, he at least knew my name, and I would play all his song requests, and I'd buy him a beer every day. Um, yeah. I'm so sorry I didn't say hi to you there. It was too busy. What are you talking about? You were at light last night. No, I wasn't. Yeah, you were, man. You were with her. Uh, I'm just really, I didn't mean to be rude. It was just so busy. And I had all these requests and people on the stage. And, and he's I wasn't at light last night. I'm like, Yeah, you were, man. I saw you sitting over there by the bar. And, uh,. He's I was not at light, and then immediately I feel this hard jab in my ribs from my sister, and I'm too drunk to fucking realize what's going on. But, like, it's a three-story building. Ding! Door opens. Blonde immediately fucking leaves. He chases after her. And my sister grabs me by the side of my ears and goes, You you fucking dummy. You just cock-blocked Steve Burns. That wasn't the same fucking blonde idiot. (laughs) And uh, okay. the very next day, light shut down, because I assume that Steve Burns was mad that he got cock-blocked in uh What? Light. Yeah, yeah, they shut our club down that night. The, night, the very next day. The very next day.
0: I don't think that had anything to do with you.
1: I'm confident it has everything to do with me cock-blocking Steve Burns.
0: Well, IDK, but I doubt it.
1: IDK, what are you hanging around, 15-year-olds right now? <laughs> like,
0: I said it half a dozen times in the last couple of weeks.
1: Like, the, the second time, like, you, you said it, I, I thought about old fucking David Covey from fucking Californication when she says LOL in bed after they're done fucking. And he's like, is that really, <laughs> is that really in your vernacular?
0: <laughs> uh, Yeah, it kind of is now. It's just the way it goes.
1: Oh, your homegirl must be... Shaking up the fruits and raking up
0: What Don't up don't you? make me response with respond with more nonsense to you.
1: <laughs> LOL. Well we got we got anyway, some, great, anyway. some great comics, guys. I'm sorry I'm so subdued. We went and saw Alanis Morissette and Garbage last night and I'm still in a high from it. Um, Star Trek Year Five, number twenty four. Fantastic four number four of the nineties, life story. Kane the Conqueror number two we're going to talk about The 22 Murders of Madison May by Max Perry. Mm-hmm. X-Men Trial of Magneto number two and Fantastic Four number 345. Let's hold off on all the Marvel and FF. Let's go straight into Star Trek.
0: Oh, dude. Man, this was... This... Okay, so earlier today, uh, I sent you a single page of one issue, right? And you got a, a whole just from that, correct?
1: 100. percent
0: Okay, I, Nick, I, 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 I sidestepped doing more with this Star Trek Year Five issue because um, I had already done that to you. Uh, this is this this issue represents the culmination of a, you know double 12-issue, what do you want to say about it? You know, we get these trade paperbacks or these collected editions in six, 12-issues. I thought thought, the
1: life stories were always six.
0: (coughs) No, I thought we were on Star Trek. So, like, we're on Star Trek year five, number 24, so, you know, you get your 12-issue story arc or your six-issue story arc, depending. But this is IDW, so they're playing a long game with this book, and it is crushing my heart. Every so often it really just nails me. So this one was good because the previous issue has Gary Seven from that, from that issue or that episode of the original series uh, popping around in time. And he is insistent that he has to stop, not just stop, but defeat and destroy from time James T. Kirk, because Kirk Eliminated Isis, his companion, who is simultaneously his best friend and his kind of commander. Uh, She was the black cat that turned into a sassy lady and um, didn't have any lines in the episode. uh, But she has plenty of things to say in this story. So... At the at the last episode and in the last issue, I'm, it's so difficult because with Star Trek you're thinking about episodes of a show and not issues of a book. But um, <clears throat> in the last issue, we get to the end and Gary Seven arrives at uh, one of the earlier moments in in like Lieutenant Kirk's career. So he's wearing his menagerie quality quality. Uh, uniform, the sweater, with no uh, black piping and stuff. I get very excited when they pay attention to the continuity of the original series. And Kirk, from the end of year five, arrives, deflects the phaser blast, stops it from happening, fights Gary Seven, they whip into another time period, and Gary Seven just keeps going back farther and farther and farther in time, trying to eliminate any earlier iteration of Kirk and Kirk just keeps showing up
2: that's wonderful
0: and finally Gary seven is like well, what the hell is how is he doing this simultaneously in our in the concurrent storyline Spock as captain of the enterprise thus forced to take command even though in the previous issue Kirk who offered him command of the enterprise was rebuffed because Spock wants to go back to Vulcan and attain the full logic state of Vulcan's colonar as represented in the... Yeah, he's like, he has no choice but to be the kick-ass commander of the Enterprise during a massive Tholian invasion of the Federation. And you will remember from all of the previous minefields uh, issues where we have talked about uh, the Tholian character Bright Eyes, who is a Tholian child living on board the Enterprise for mass multiple issues, um, is this is the this is the only way it could have worked out. Like you've got whether Kirk was in charge in this moment or Spock, Bright Eyes had to get beamed over to talk to the Tholians and say. I know what's going on. I understand these people. I know that the Federation is made up of so many member species. They're limited. They are not, they're they're limited. They're mortal. They have uh, a different way of remembering their history because they are finite beings. There's so much presented in one page of Spock trying to get the Tholians to settle down long enough to try something different, and then another uh, two-page splash with bright eyes, here I'll, I'll show you, uh, framed up, centered, talking to the the Tholian elders. Dude, this is madness. This send, is so good.
1: Send me that. That.
0: Send you that. I will, I'll, I'll, I'll have to screen cap this and send it to you or uh, click it with my phone. And simultaneously, Dr. McCoy is on Earth talking to the President of the Federation, which I – this is a complication, though. I appreciate that the President of the Federation in this scene is an Aphrosian because that would be – reminiscent of the president being the Afrosian, played by Kurtwood Smith oh, in Star Trek 6
1: red Foreman himself
0: yes sir yes sir in heavy makeup however the president at the t- we don't know who the president of the Federation is during the interim time of the end of next or original series leading into the motion picture number one but uh, it's kind of odd that they were like, yeah, let's make him a here because we have a president in Star Trek Four who was a human, and we don't know how long he was president. So anybody could have been president. I don't know why you would have two pseudo-successive Ephrosian presidents unless this was a continuity error. You know what? I'm not going to give him a hard time because the rest of this issue was freaking rad. So you've got this progressive campaign going on with the Andorian candidate and you have a human candidate who has made appearances in other times and Bones gets them to chill out long enough to not launch war efforts against the Tholians because he's believing in Spock on the Enterprise with Uhura, with Sulu, with Chekhov, with Scotty getting their act together in a way to stop calamity All the while, Kirk is salvaging his entire life, livelihood, career, whipping through time, going back as far as the USS Kelvin, which you will all remember from the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie from 2009. I do. Yeah. And then multiple talking heads pages of Gary Seven and Kirk. like Because at a certain point... You have to just, if you're taking a story with this much scope, you have to just get down to that nine-panel page. One nine-panel page, after the next, after the next, to progress the story somewhere in the middle because you know this is the end of something massive. So as a writer, as an artist, you know you have to propel it to that point because those last handful of panels on the last couple of pages are going to need to have more cinematic scope. Uh, It's the end of your story. You've been building to this for a couple of years. I applaud the holy bejeez out of this book. This is as good, and it's authentically way better, than anything the original series ever produced. The original series was a phenomenal foundation for a franchise that no one ever thought was going to develop into this. Thank you,
1: the, my brother. I love the phrase. And so, so yeah. you're, you're telling me that they have taken a exceptionally amazing story from the 60s and, and they've expounded it with the human mind concept and consciousness that we have now in terms of, of the line, scope of the franchise. Of the scope of the franchise, and they're making it even better with more current characters.
0: Yeah, they're taking characters that did all kinds of silly nonsense for three years of television, and who knows what... I don't know what they did with season four. Like, there is a year four comic book out there, and I am struggling to come up with single issues or even a uh, collected works of it, but I want it. And I know it's never going to be as good as this. And I gotta say, if there is a Star Trek book out there, folks... And you're like, if, if you're sitting there going like, man, Discovery's rough. I don't like Lower Decks, Picard, uh, like moments that are great, moments that aren't. Dude, this is your Star Trek. This is the flagship Star Trek moment right now. So I will say, I adore Lower Decks. And Season 2 is out, and it's so much fun. Discovery Season 3 I'll I'll, pick, I'll I'll eventually watch it. I will watch it, because I'm not going to not watch it. Because I, I want to see the Eisenberg-class starship the USS Nog. Straight up. It's heartbreaking.
1: You know, uh, but, like, put it in perspective... There you have it, man. This is a pres- great book. Put it in perspective of how much people like Star Trek. When Cody Rhodes... Uh, oh, please. On, on make AD, that when, when Cody came out in his next-gen costume, as well as Brandy, And their valet. Mm Full next gen costumes. The variant, it's like one in five thousand, or maybe one in a thousand. Cody in his next gen costume gets (laughs) two, three thousand for that one action figure with the right costume.
0: You're saying it costs two or three thousand dollars?
1: Yes, I've seen it from one to three.
0: Oh my goodness. From, okay.
1: From one to three. Um, I'm loving this story. Um, I like the fact that they're blending a lot of different things, but at the same time, they're making... It's like the opposite of like being the cool guy, and then you have kids, and you're not cool no more. Like that. Uh, <laughs> there, there was a the, the, the Simpsons quote. Like, what are you doing? We're rocking out. Well you shut the fuck up? It's like, you just don't understand. Like, I, you're just not with it. And Grandpa Abe Simpson, like, to young 17-year-old Homer, is like, I used to be with it. Then they changed what it was. And now what it is <laughs> is scary and weird to me. And it'll happen to you. <laughs> uh, sure, sure. However, they're making something that is absolutely dated into something wonderful. Oh, yeah and, and, Man. And, and stirring all the spices that didn't exist to stir into a story because we just simply hadn't had a good enough consciousness to put into the story or just it wouldn't accept it at the time and giving us it's it's not it this isn't rehashing this isn't leftovers this is this is you just didn't see it yet and
0: Dude, thank you. That's such a good way to put that, man. I really appreciate you you like rationalizing it like that. That's such a brilliant way to perceive this.
1: Thank you, man. Uh, but mm. The only reason I'm only perceiving it is because you're the one that got me into it, man. <laughs> you're the only one that got me into it. Like, I, I, I didn't understand Star Trek until you uh, laid out the Prem Directive for me. Once you did that for me... I was like, I'm, I'm oh, sold, yeah, I'm sold, Let, let's do this. Yeah, and still, I'm still a sucker for all the uh, emotional shit and all the little random stuff, but uh, it, it's... What,
0: what, what's the most recent issue, or what's the most recent episode of uh, Star Trek The Next Generation that you've watched?
1: I finished it.
0: Are you serious? So you've watched the last episode? Yes. Oh my gosh! When did you do that, and why did you do that without me?
1: Well, uh, you were at a funeral, and I was really drunk and <laughs> sad, and I needed something to guarantee me to uh, uplift me, and it always does. Um, there's something about it; man, it's it's always a guaranteed good time. It's always even if I have to face the things I don't want to face. If I've been like, like I'm, I'm pissed off. Drink too much tonight. Mm-hmm. I, I I still it still makes me confront my demons without a harsh hand.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it, it's it's wonderful. But the last iteration of Star Trek I really got into was the Mirror Universe one. And we're not doing that until you read. That oh one. yeah, totally. Uh, we're not doing that until you read it too. Um, or as well. Yeah. But, I've um,
0: read... I've been working on the uh, Terra Incognita story lately, which is collected already, and technically a little bit old compared, but uh, I've enjoyed that. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll get back to that in a little bit.
1: Well, I want to do the Trial of Magneto, because it's... Oh,
0: please! It's, I want to know all about that. Yes.
1: Okay, so the Avengers show up on Shoah. They're, they're invited, mm-hmm. in, and they're given the Grand Tour. Mm-hmm. Now, they get to the point where they get to the resurrection coves, and oh god, what are we going to do? They're going to see this, because it's the big secret that the rest of the world or the universe doesn't know that the mutants have conquered death. Mm-hmm. And what are we going to do? We're going to have to mind wipe them. We can't. That's that's against what we do, and then they get to the cove, and, and, and Emma is on the beach right by the cove, Titties hanging out. Uh, the cove is completely disguised. The cuckoos have, like, messed it. Like, they're, they're already way ahead of the, of the curve. And, uh, Hope is trying to get, help Xavier extrapolate the memories out of Witch. We gotta figure out what the hell's going on. And Mm -hmm. as they're doing that, Hope is like, this feels wrong. And he's like, well, child, I need you to do this. And she's like, no, this is wrong. And what you're doing is covering things up, and I don't agree. Well, too bad, bitch, you're going to do it. And his only way Xavier can say things without saying it like that. As things are happening... Hope wakes up Magneto. Says, "Get up, listen to me now." Hands him his helmet. This is happening. The Avengers. <laughs> Hands him his helmet. The Avengers yeah. are here to retrieve uh, Wanda's body. And not the first time that's happened. Agreed. And this is what's been happening. She just gives him all her memories.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He gets pissed immediately assaults all the Avengers. And during the battle, he says, You want what you want, I killed her. I killed her. Kill me. Do your fucking best to kill me. I don't think I don't think he did it. I, I think he was just saying that to just provoke them. And as that's happening, at the end of the last issue of Trauma Magneto Uh, Wanda is, like, trapped in this, like, psychedelic mushroom universe, where she's like, I know I'm dead, but I'm not really dead, and then she -hmm. shows up and has a big old smooch with vision, and then it ends. Um. Really? That's pretty simplistic. It was super disappointing. I, I, like, I get there's a third one that's gonna extrapolate off of everything that we just went through, but, like. It was very emotionally manipulative, and I don't like those sort of issues. I, I Like, you can, it, it, like, to put it in perspective, like, watching, like, a uh, a weekday telenovela or soap opera, Days of Her Lives, Journal Hospital. Mm
2: hmm.
1: On Wednesday, I know that Stefano is going to be discovered, and the story, like, they really build it up. And then it's not going to happen on a Wednesday. It's going to happen on a Christmas or right before fucking Thanksgiving. Like, like, yeah, like, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, yeah no, no. They, they did the fucking story soap opera bullshit. Like, I killed her. No, no, you didn't, dude. We know you didn't kill your daughter. He, <laughs> he just fucked up Polaris. And, and, like, of all, like, of all the things, like, he he's fucking with his, like, Quicksilver went at him. Couldn't, couldn't handle it. Like, it's not going to happen. I'm curious where they're going with the story, but like, I don't like these tweener issues because, in my mind, tweener. <laughs> in my mind, this is getting printed on paper. They could be like used to instead of printing on this paper this shitty story, you could have fed like thirty thousand homeless people. <laughs> like, 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 <laughs> holy this, my dude! This story, Hard, hardcore. This story sucks. You, you you could have put half of this at the end of the fucking issue one, and did a two issue, um, and, and put in perspective everything I told you about uh, about Onslaught revelations mm-hmm. today was one issue.
2: Yeah, sure. That was okay.
1: a lovely one shot key issue. Not this pulled apart. Let's see how many fucking issues they can buy off of this. I I don't know. I don't know if that's that their the frame of mind, but at the same time though. Uh, they're stretching something that should have been a one-shot.
0: uh, uh and, dude, and, there's nothing worse than that. They're stretching something that should have been a one-shot.
1: Yeah, 100%. Rough. Like, how many, like, remember those, like, there's only, like, three of them. Remember those X-Men Unlimited that weren't, like, they were, like, side issues of the annual that real shit happened in with Storm? and mean, you know, I mean, like, they were thick. They were, like, 40 pages long. They were $5 issues, but we didn't care because we got a good story. And those are key issues. Um,
0: I kind of remember that.
1: But you know what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah. More or less, yeah. I kind of remember those stories.
1: Well, hey, let's take a quick break and we'll get into Fantastic Four because we have a lot to talk about the FF.
0: Oh, yeah, man. Two books? What, we got two books? No, we got three. Three books. All right, cool.
1: All right, guys, we're going to take a quick uh, uh, pisser, and a three,
0: and a two, and a one, and a... Uh, We just took a brief break, as we do sometimes in the midst of our show. Um, Yeah, we were talking about doing some Fantastic Four. We got some stuff we're going to blend in there. But uh, we decided to knock out another aspect of it a little bit before so many, many years ago, less than 20 years ago, but not much more than 15, I was working at a public library, and uh, I saw this book come across my check-in desk one day. I was one of the guys at the counter checking out books. I saw this book by an author called Max Berry, M-A-X-X Berry, Barry, M-A-X-X Barry, B-A-R-R-Y, And it drove me crazy because every time I went out into that section, I kept coming across with this other comic named Barry uh, and all of his books at the time. And I can't remember any. I was like, why can't I find more books by this guy? For one thing, he's an Australian author. So it was a little tough to come up with his material in the US. Um, But he had a book about marketing, and I read it in four hours. It was so good, it drove me totally nuts, and um, the whole time I listened to it, I listened to the same piece of music, Uh, I was in the middle of um, finals, I forgot man, it's been so long since I've been in college, I uh, I was in the middle of my finals week, I had two tests, or I had tests on Monday and Tuesday is what I'm getting at, and then I didn't have another test until Friday. I checked out this book. I, I started listening to this to the piece of music from the Fight Club score by the Dust Brothers, uh, Jack's Smirking Revenge. You know that piece?
1: Yeah, I bought you that. I bought you that CD.
0: Dude, no, no. I know. I had that CD, and then you bought me that CD, and then you bought me that that album on vinyl. And I've listened to the bloody hell out of all of it. But what I'm saying is, I listened to that song over and over and over again while I read this book, and I read that book in four hours. Not because it was short, but because I was obsessed with it. And that book is called Syrup.
1: Completely that engaged.
0: Yeah, I've never been that more obsessed over one story in my life. Uh, that book is called Syrup. And it is, uh, I got it on Audible a few years ago, and I've listened to it again and again and again. And um, I've written to Max Berry. I've talked to him on Facebook and MySpace and LiveJournal, I think. I've written him emails. He has always been hella cool, uh, absolutely friendly. And I, at one point, started experimenting with screenwriting, and I started trying to write a script of the book Syrup. Um, And uh, at some point I was like, hey, how do I get licensed to do this? And he was like, look, it's already happening devastated in the year 2012 um a production designer that i worked with in 2010 called me and said hey can you make it up to new york i'm uh trying to put a art crew together to develop a movie and i was like oh my god yeah i would love to do that what do you what are you doing she told me it was a book uh, or it was a movie about this book and i lost my mind I was like, I can't do it. I'm looking after my son right now. But this is basically making a movie of my favorite novel. And I was heartbroken that I couldn't go. But I had committed myself. So I did not do it. Um, and it oh, that movie was star, starred uh, Amber Heard, who has come into a lot of press scrutiny in the last couple of years. She beat up Johnny Depp. There you go. So things being what they were, there you have it. Max Berry has written several other very popular stories, one called Jennifer Government, uh, one called, uh, um, oh, crap, I'm, I'm having a really hard time coming up with them. Let me let me pull up my Audible account while I'm looking this up. Uh, but what I'm getting at is that this book, uh, blah, 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 oh, come on, there we go. Oh, for Nation! quit trying to advertise to me and just let me look at it. He's got a book called Lexicon, a book called Machine Man, a book called Providence. This is his most recent novel, The 22 Murders of Madison May. Oh, and so what this is about is essentially there are two protagonists, Madison May and Felicity Staples. And Felicity is a reporter for a kind of a rag sheet newspaper in New York city. And she is looking into the recent murder of a real estate agent named Madison May. And while she's at the crime scene, she realizes there is a guy there who may or may not be a suspect. And while she tracks this guy down uh, to a subway in New York, he Recognizes somebody else in the crowd and hands her an item that she can't quantify what it is, and then tells her, hold on to this for me. Um, I'm going to push you into the train tracks. There's a cavity down there. You won't get hurt if you roll into that cavity. She does this and it saves her from an oncoming train. And then the next day, she realizes she's in another reality. And the, awesome. the person who got murdered, Maddie May, right? uh, is still alive. And the suspect is either the suspect who murdered her or, or the guy who, she, uh, who that guy was going after in the subway might be the suspect. So what is going on in this story is that Maddie May is an actress who just did a movie and a guy has fallen desperately in love with who he thinks she should be based on her actress, or I'm sorry, the actress's character in the movie, and um, has found a way to travel from one reality to the next, trying to get her to fall in love with him, and when it doesn't work out, he murders her. Because he's angry that she's not who she thought, who he thought she was going to be. And this goes on and on and on through across all of these different parallel realities.
1: Until he finds one that she loves him?
0: No, I'm not going to tell you all what's going to happen in this. I'm not going to tell anybody anything about this. I'm going to tell you guys, I could not stop listening to this book. And it is... Amazing to me that an, that a writer who wrote syrup in like 1999 you me that book. could could treat me so much and then do the same damn thing to me again this many years later in 2021. I never, never, ever write letters to any of the people that we've ever covered in this. I've never written a letter to Grant Morrison or to. Any of the writers or artists that we've... I've never written anything to Bendis and Malie. I've never written anything to anybody. But I have written to Max Berry. And um, I, I, I finished listening to this book tonight. It actually physically hurt me to put this story down for a handful of days while I was in the car... Driving to St. Louis with people who were not interested in this story and being, you know, who I, you know, just like considerate of everyone. I was just like, oh, you know, we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about. And I'm, okay. I'm going to be in a car for six to nine hours and not listen to this freaking book that I've been listening to for a handful of days. Oh, my God. When I when I got away tonight and I finished this book, I was so excited and I've got to write him. I'm going to, I got to write him a glowing review. Um, it's, it's what, what, Oh my God, dude, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. I'll write him and be like, Hey man, do you want to talk about this on our show? Uh, do you want to talk about the profession of writing? Do you want to talk about your, 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 your successes and failures? Because Max Berry, I'm i I've been following his blog for years. I've been following his Facebook account. He's had ups and downs. He got screwed by a, a uh, an investment uh, situation. I mean, he's he's a real guy, you know. And like I say, you can find you can find this miserable movie adaptation of his book, Syrup. But authentically, what I what, let me go into this. This book needs to be made into a movie, and it would be hitting the nail on the head right now. This is a book about female protagonists. It's a book where. Um, This is a book. I, you know, what's the research, Max? Did you talk to a bunch of ladies and were like, hey, you know, this is what ladies are going through. They're being, they're not being taken seriously by established males. They're not being taken seriously by white men. Like, what's the story? Where did this come from? How did you develop this? Uh, when we post this on Facebook. When we post a link to this issue of Minefields, we need to please hot link to him. I want him to find this. I want him to know that we're talking about it. I want him to realize this has had an impact, and it's a huge deal to me as a reader. And I want our readers to be interested in this. I I mean, you know, I've been reading Tom Clancy, and nonfiction about, you know, the Pacific Carrier War in World War II and the Civil War for so long to just jump into a fiction narrative that that crushes me this much. I am so enthusiastic. And I'm casting the book in my head the whole time I'm reading it, and I'm like, oh, for God's sake. I mean, just the, the, the amount of actors that can portray these roles and Who? bring their particular... They- uh, like, Aubrey Plaza, for God's sake. Felicity. Felicity Staples, portrayed by Aubrey Plaza, or um, oh, who the who the, oh, I gotta look it up. Who was the cute girl that was the the lady reporter in Pokemon Pikachu? What the frick was that with Jaden Smith or whoever? I don't even know the the, the Detective Pikachu. That young lady who had the had the uh, oh gosh, what is it? The duckbird I can't think of it. I'm so sorry, all of our minefielders that I'm not coming up with it. That young lady, like somebody who's 22 and and, and awesome could just be playing the role of Madison May. You know, it just like little things just clicked into my head and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, like that's not the role that I want to cast. But like, honestly, I kept reading Felicity Staples and I was like, I know she keeps getting characterized as a blonde girl, but for God's sake, can she just be a woman of color? like I would if I would if I was given the reins to this and I was casting this I'd be like please give me um any young lady woman of color and make that the protagonist of this story and then I mean you can you could do a whole lot of different things with Hugo you could do a whole lot of things with uh with our murderer it's just it was just the opera. There's just so much opportunity there. If any any minefielders, if you read this book, if you've ever heard of Max Berry, if you've if you read Syrup, if you are just a fan of like stories where awful things, like I mean, we all watch uh, Forensic Files, yeah, you know, and it's just like oh man, it's gritty, it's horrendous, it's terrible to think of all of these poor people getting killed in these terrible ways and we find out a way to figure it out
1: there's three key books that came out within the span actually four key books within the span of two weeks we're not going to talk about one of them we're going to talk about three uh so we're going to talk about uh fantastic four the 90s this is uh issue four of um life story right
0: yeah that's right yeah um what do you got
1: King the conqueror number two
2: Mm-hmm.
0: and you're saying these bleed in together
1: Yes.
2: Hmm. It kind of makes
1: sense. And then we've got Fantastic Four number three forty-five, the sixtieth anniversary, which was a ten dollar, well worth every fucking penny, drawn by John Romita Jr. Uh, not Ooh. one panel, like ninety percent of it drawn by Junior Jr. But ten um, percent of it was not done by him. But like they, they, even they did a, they they even did a recap of. Like redoing the original first issue with modern art, and mm-hmm. it, it it was out of the park, man. Like all the I got the I was slaving over which cover to get, and you know I'm not a variant cover guy, but uh, yeah, no, for real. I, I landed on the um the super scroll cover because it was like he's turning all <laughs> he's turning all four of the the FF, but uh, which one? Like do do the '90s first because that. That screenshot you sent me earlier. Of, oh, my of ben gosh, you no. Know. Um, Jesus Christ, man. Like, like, it, like, I told you about everything I've been like dealing with this week, but I'm not going to go into that. But how many of us That's could a whole thing. hope for uh, a woman like that?
0: Yeah, I know. Alicia is a great character in the whole FF mythology. She rarely steps out of that book. In fact, I can't think of a single other place where she does. So if you minefielders have any idea, I'd love to know. But uh, this book takes place in the 90s. It's part of the whole series. So this is the fourth in the sequence. And... um, I mean, it pertains mainly to Ben Grimm, the thing, as the uh, narrator. And at the beginning of the story, America, the world, everything seems to be going the right direction. The Soviet Union folded in on itself uh, due to economic pressures. And as much as I can appreciate Mikhail Gorbachev, who they did not mention in this um, Uh, you know, the liberalization of their society basically ruined the Soviet Union. Um, So they don't have... So the U.S. and the Western powers don't have a major terrestrial world threat to pay attention to, uh, which would be soaking up their uh, military-industrial complex finances. And thus everybody's like, okay, hey, let's start paying attention to this Galactus threat. Which, in the previous three issues, I don't feel like anyone was taking nearly serious. And so it's kind of odd that there's a switch for that. What it, but at what the it, same time... Would
1: it, would it have been something hmm? that we, they would have taken seriously in the 60s in the in, in terms of story structure? Definitely where, not. Where, where, where each issue was like a new baddie and like written for six-year-olds?
0: Well, I'm not so sure I'd go that far. What I what I what I realize about well, I mean me being who I am with the historical background that I pay attention to, in the 60s we're only 20 years removed or 15 years removed from the Second World War, and we've been shifting our focus away from the Nazis to the Soviets are trying to take over the world, and that's why they uh, that's why the U.S. would have been spending so much money on anti terrestrial Soviet issues rather than some perceived threat from space that never manifests itself. That's the thing that drives me crazy about this. You're going to sit there for 30 years and you're going to destroy your life and everybody else's lives who are in your superhero team. Uh, And uh, you're going to keep going to the... What every administration, decade after decade you know, uh, election cycle after election cycle, trying to get whomever to appreciate that you had some mental connection that no one could quantify, and there's no evidence of, uh, to justify spending billions of dollars on an anti-space threat. And that's why I like the 80s one. You know, Reagan was like, why are you focusing these, Weapons on the space when we've got these Soviets we need to pay attention to. And um, SDI, Strategic Defense Initiative, is like, oh, let's activate this, but we're going to focus it on the Russians. So now it's the 90s, the Soviet Union's collapse, and Reed Richards is like, okay, yeah, we're 83% ready to deal with Galactus. And let's just flash forward. The whole time... Ben Grimm, the thing is like thinking about matters of love. He's getting connected by to by ex girlfriends, and he gets online, and he he basically meets Alicia, uh, who is his historic girlfriend, uh, who he just married in recent Fantastic Four issues. Uh, the Blind Sculptor, um, and uh, they work out, and there is a delightful, delightful scene in this. Uh, There's a four-page sequence in which he's talking about events during the Korean War, not really something that Americans these days pay any attention to, except for the fact of its lasting ramifications in why we have a North and South Korea, but contemporary Z... Why generation kids just what the what the frack is Korea? You know, uh, that's where Blizzard Entertainment's from. Really? Well, yeah. I don't think that I don't think that kids these days have any idea why Korea is what it is, how it's separated, why it's separated, etc. And he's talking about having flown fighter jet missions and strike fighters over Korea in the '50s. The '50s. This has been going on since the 50s before he was even the thing, the ever-loving thing. And so, you know, you go through four pages of him explaining a whole scenario about accidentally bombing villages in Korea and having collateral civilian damage of kids and getting drummed out of the Air Force and then... Uh, Alicia who is re- basically his same age is like hey you know you, you don't have to apologize for that and you've never told that story before I understand that and there's there's this beautiful one page it's four total frames or panels rather and they're in a beautiful rain shower under a, under a uh, umbrella and she's saying you know it's amazing that people like us who have a problem with ourselves can actually find somebody. And in so doing, you know, you can fall in love and that you deserve it. And that for living in a world where there's so little love, we deserve happiness. And he's like, bang up, you know, let's get married. So in the next in the next part of the story focuses mainly more on the whole Galactus aspect and that Reed Richards is Killing himself, he is aging at an astronomical rate, and he can just like, like I I I like yeah. shake his face around and manifest a much more youthful appearance. Um, Franklin Richards is getting married to somebody. I don't know if she's from Wakanda or what. Not everybody from, not everybody who is uh, a person of color happens to be from Wakanda, but she's. Got a very not American name, so I don't know. I'm making a lot of assumptions that don't get characterized in this. And in we, what it and what we, it amounts to? And
1: we hmm? have to explain ourselves that we're not racist assholes. That we assume that a name that within the Marvel universe, which is safe to assume, is Wakandan, is not us being racist.
0: Yeah, it's just. I mean, unfortunately, after all that we just discovered, just get discussed a minute ago. How the heck do we even? arrive at this without sounding like a bunch of jerkwads. But what it, what it ultimately amounts to is that in the midst of the wedding, Reed Richards realizes that Galactus is moments away. It's not Galactus. It's Silver Surfer. Silver Surfer shows up, shows none of the characterizations that we've come to know and love from him, an appreciation of humanity, our capabilities, our direction, etc., um, and Grim Ben, gets out there and fights as hard as he can and still can't defeat this guy, because Ben Grimm, for all of his awesomeness, is not imbued with the power cosmic. And uh, the Silver Surfer just marches up to the UN, as Dr. Doom did in previous issues, and says, you've got ten years to make peace with your leader. Galactus is coming, and if you think I'm powerful... He is 1,000 more times powerful than I am. Which then says, 10 years from now, uh, we're going to face Galactus. And I'm going, you guys are dragging this the fuck out. <laughs> okay? I don't have a lot to say about, and I don't use a lot of foul language on this show, but this is like, to, to em- emphasize my, my point Uh, The Fantastic Four has a lot of stuff to deal with, and they could have just as easily spent the time with one overarching story point of Galactus, and let's focus this one on Namor, let's focus this one on the Controller, let's focus this one on uh, the Mad Thinker, or the Leader, or, which I know is a Hulk adversary, but, like, or whatever. Right. Do but and, Or, you know, you could tackle all of this stuff and say, like, oh, yeah, we were an amazing super team and we did all this stuff together. We're so far removed from that. I mean, ugh! Guys, this is not as good as the Spider-Man
1: life story. Uh, oh, Spider-Man life story was amazing.
0: It was incredible. So please, please, if you're going to drag something out, I get it. Like, make, like... Focus on one particular... Where's the Mole Man? Maybe. Focus something on everything. And
1: maybe pace it out. Maybe that's the point. Maybe the point is for them to have to think about something for long enough. Because when it comes to Fantastic Four, they get like assaulted with a world-ending cosmic entity that has powers to open up a gateway to this. And mm-hmm. uh, Reed's got to figure it out. Uh, Grimm and, and fucking Matchstick got to fucking hold off the uh, <laughs>
2: Matchstick.
1: They got to hold off the uh, the foes at bay while Reed figures it out, while Sue makes everyone invisible, and you know, just you know, running, uh, you know, just flank. Maybe the point of it was to make them think about it because if yeah. if they've got ten years for Galactus to show up. And Reed develops this, like, ever-loving, like, cosmic-destroying handheld weapon or a portal. Maybe it doesn't work. Even with all that thought, it doesn't work.
0: Well, that's even what happened. I mean, every defense that they developed over the last 40 years was nothing compared to the Silver Surfer, and he wrecked it in less than 10 minutes. And it's like, it's just devastation. Like, how, how what does it take to actually deal with it? And that's that's what I appreciate about the last page. We are minutes away from Galactus arriving on Earth, and all of humanity is just celebrating and having a good time. And I'm like, we, we live in a world where Americans are standing here going like, I'm Vax or anti-Vax. I cannot... This is a lost opportunity to really expound upon what we are capable of in the face of our own destruction, because there should be so many people out there saying, I don't even believe this Galactus crap is happening, or where are the rest of the superheroes, and how are they not aligning themselves against Galactus? We're here for you. And then you got Dick Clark up there saying the Fantastic Four with a beautiful, gigantic, brass statue that says, the best we had to offer. And we're all accepting the fact that they basically fucking shit the bed nine, ten years ago? Ridiculous. It's just, I don't know. I don't feel like this is the best representation of the direction this story could have gone. And then we find, in the last frame, Ben Grimm asking... Dr. Reed Richards, why he's crying, as if we couldn't possibly know. It's just starting to get a little trite, and um, I think they're dragging this out too long. So if, I mean, you know, for God's sake, could Galactus just show up in the next issue, and then we could see, like, like, deal with him within the first three or four pages, and then be like, oh, how do we deal with something after we... Dealt with it so quickly,
1: especially after we've all known that the story ends in one issue.
0: Precisely. I mean, this is four issues in, and it's it's a it's a it's a story arc of five or six. So. What, what
1: are they going to have a sit down conversation with Galactus? <laughs> like, like that—that's not going to happen.
0: At the very least, let me say this about Galactus: whatever he is, an eternal from another reality, another universe that, ex- that predates our own with the power cosmic capable of like parceling out 1% of his ability or one 1,000th 1, of his percent of percent of his ability to somebody else, thus giving them the opportunity to be everything that he is, even though fractionally like, <sighs> you need to go to all of that length at the same time. Galactus has a bit of, of an ego, and yeah. you can scare him with an ultimate ultimate nullifier. So if you can freak Galactus out, you can scare him. He's like a Strontian. It's just like way back in the Abnet and Lanning with Kalark. Uh, Good call. You know. Good call. I mean, that's it. Like you can freak Galactus out. You can change his mind. You can scare him. Anyway, yeah. that's what I got to say about that.
1: Now, in terms of ultimate villains. And mm-hmm. that's what I always really loved. There's a couple things I really loved about Phantasm As It's ultimate villains. They don't deal with these fucking rinky-dink, hobgoblin... Uh, they really no, don't. No, no. They, they're dealing with world-ending events on a daily fucking basis on Yancy Street.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I love the fact that the FF are notorious for my favorite type of issue, which is a one-and-done issue now yeah i love i love issues that you know a six story 12 it happens no no problem story but when you read like classic 70s early 80s ff it's a one and done issue like like there's a beauty to it where you've yeah you've never you've never read fantastic four you kind of know what it's about that these guys have powers this guy stretches this guy's on fire um you can pick one, one issue up and be like, "God, that was fucking awesome. Like, story... Beginning, story, ending. Now, mm-hmm. I want to get into Has 4 number 35, 60th anniversary. Go. 60th anniversary. 6th anniversary. We're, we're in Never Space, which is... It reminded me of... Um, it, it's this, like, giant cube in not the sky or in space, but in time space. And the only people that are allowed, or molecularly allowed, within the confines of this, like, Borg ship or Leviathan from Hellraiser, are Kangs. Now, call sound out, Kangs, get here now. From wherever you are that are conscious in space and time, that are doing anything, get here now. And five of them show up. And they're alerted that Nathaniel Richards, the father of Mister Fantastic, mm-hmm. the most confusing of all Wikipedia pages when it comes to characters. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm, pretty much
1: <laughs> about who, about <laughs> about who he is and what he is, or if he's a king or not, or well, they all. There's a problem going on, and they're yeah. all alerted to get there. And a, a fifth king shows up. Let me make sure to count this right. No, six. Named Sion. I am Sion. I am, I am the king at the end of all the universes that you think you know. You you know, uh, the king we know, the the blue face and the the, the side helmet and shit. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck's this guy? Oh, I, I'm you later on, and it's a, a constant to the tat, Like, like, oh fuck you, Ramatess. Like, I don't like you. I I knew I was gonna like you. Well, Nathaniel Richards has hidden a object in space and time that, when assembled, he he hides he hides the specific parts of the of of this machine that is gonna be like the. Ultimate nullifier times a thousand. Like, it's going to be something that is going to, once they assemble it, is going to be, you know, their end okay. yeah. yeah. They all figure out where the different parts are, and they disassemble, and it turns into a four issue story arc where uh, they go through space and time with a Fantastic Four. Um, where. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm back now. I'm back now. Let me tell you how I did it. How I find my part of the machine. So mm-hmm. we get to a cover of like classic FF, uh, done by Junior Junior, and Kang shows up. Well, Ramatet shows up, drowns them, and drowns them all in sand. Uh, shows up back in, in the Never Space, and then we get to another Kang showing up, and it's the we get another cover. Where it's more like '80s, '80s covers, and then he's telling the tale of how he showed up when uh, it's more like '90s actually. Um, where Ben's got the adamantium scars on his face, he's wearing the helmet, and um, you know, he's he's just really pissed off about like how Wolvie fucked them up, and and this king destroys them, gets the pulls the piece of the of the machine out of time and space because that's where it's hidden. And mm-hmm. they all, like, it continues. There's there's two more fake issues, of uh, including our own time and space. And Scion, as they all show up with their individual pieces of the machine that Nathaniel Richards is has hidden throughout time and space, like I said earlier, that only the true heir of Nathaniel Richards could open.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, as they're arguing about who is did the best, destroyed the FF, because in each issue, Kang wins. Yeah, sure. Scion is actually Nathaniel Richards wearing a husk of a former Kang that shows up with all the time-displaced people that he actually plucked out of time and space that seemingly died in all those issues that we just read, and it's a huge issue. He plucks them out of time and space and shows up as fake king, fucks them all up, including, like, the, like, the, it, it, it's remarkable how Reed Richards outsmarted everybody. Outsmarted all of the kings. And as the, uh, what's that? Uh, was this actually part of Marvel? I, I don't remember ever reading about the, uh, the, what was that bureaucracy of assholes that, uh, in Logan, <clears throat> that that handle time and space.
0: Oh yeah, sure. No, it's not. It's not comic themed or comic specific. Yeah. It is just what it is. Those yeah, guys like show whole...
1: up, like invade the the nowhere space, and uh, yeah, we're here to fix time and space. And uh, you got to come with us. And and Reed is like, listen, I did this, and all all those assholes are gone and defeated because they they retreat in shame because they are mm-hmm. completely shamed by Reed Richards. hmm Now, I'm gonna... You guys take them back to where they're supposed to a little bit before, and you know who to save. And, well, who are you? Like, hey, like, uh, like, uh, the, one, this wonderful scene here. It's, uh, it's Johnny, who's enticing uh, out of space and time Ben Grimm. Fighting uh-huh. the one in the helmet. Uh, one of the kings is just eliminating him. He's like, ah, what are you doing to me? I'm dissecting you. Thing. Making every experience, every moment of your lifetime, all at once, soon your mind will be shattered. And you'll have no idea of who you are. And he dissects into all these, like, different iterations of himself. And his mind is collapsing on itself. And the torch, the flame, matchstick, snap out of it, pal. And he looks all of them in the face, you're Ben Grimm, Idol of Millions, the ever-loving blue-eyed thing, and you know exactly what time it is. It's clobbering time.
2: <laughs> well, all right.
1: <laughs> yeah. And they all they all at once just, like, like, that's all they needed was that, that call sign. And, um, oh, all
0: right. I get you.
1: Okay. As the uh, magistrate of time and space, I fucking forget what the hell it was. Um, they take them all back to their respective places, and um, well, we got we 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 can't let you have this machine, Reed Richards. Oh yeah. Uh, here, uh, I'm gonna take it with me anyway, and fuck you. <laughs> and uh, they're like, uh, yeah, we we better not piss them off. <laughs> And he takes the machine back to present time. Every the Timelines are completely restored within one issue, even though it's fucking this fucking thick, and ten books worth every page, like I said. Yeah. He, he successfully assembles it. And it's not an ultimate nullifier. It's not a uh, secret weapon that's going to defeat Galactus. It's a recording of Nathaniel Richard's. And I, I gotta read it for you because it's it, like I, I had to like put the book down. If my calculations are correct, there's only one man in existence who could have retrieved all four pieces of this puzzle and reconstructed it. I hope you understand. I had to be certain this message made it to you, and to you alone, my son. I wish I'd been a braver man. If I'd been, I would have told you this a while while I was still alive. But on Earth, I had another family. And then another projection shows up, and we only see her from behind. This is your sister. It is my hope that you will find her and look after one another. You're a wise man, Reed. He called him Reed. He knew it was only Reed that was going to find him. Yeah. You've always known (laughs) the greatest prize in all of time and space is family. And then Reed finishes his sentence as he's saying it, and family comes first. It was wonderful. okay, and then we get into the uh, the little backstories where they retell everything uh, with great artists. Um, it the the, the, the trick. It, it was such a like. I'm like, whoa! All right, Kang again, great. Okay, cool. Like that wasn't leading to anything. Like, like the, the, the FF, the last issue, ended with Doctor Doom cursing uh, Johnny with, like, the accelerated cosmic powers where he couldn't flame off. That's where it started. Ew. That's yeah. where it started with, like, them trying to figure out how to stop it. I just read the next one that came out uh, yesterday, uh, but we're not going to talk about that until next week. But um, it was something else, man. Like, the, the way... You know, you and I are total Saps for sentiment, but they, <laughs> yes, they, they got so far into the story with Kang, I forgot Reed Richards even existed. Even though they're killing Reed Richards, I had the
0: same instance, the same thing in the uh, new Kang book this week.
1: Yeah, uh, like help help me out with that because I I, I read it and I, I had to I had to re-reference stuff, and reread the first one. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I pulled out a few of my old Kang books and there were still a lot of questions on that one, man.
0: Oh, uh, well, I mean, you go back to the earliest FF stories, uh, and there are some references in Kang number two, Kang the Conqueror number two, to events. And it's fascinating because, um, you've got young, you've got young Kang uh, running around, you know, he's been banished to the, the uh, time of the pharaohs and everyone's kicking his butt and he can't time travel and he immediately gets rescued by a young woman who is the Moon Knight of the era and oh, hold, she worships hold, hold. Khonshu.
1: Hold on, hold on, before we get farther from that. Okay, so he, with his broken time, space, and suit, shows up in the space of Ramatut. Mm-hmm. And then he is basically a hero, dispersing the forces of Ramatut, who is not at the, th- not connected to dots of who he is, and connects with the ne- the the Moon Knight of time, Khonshu. controlled by Khonshu.
0: Well, I think Khonshu that Ramatut figures it out.
1: Well, he does, but at the time, like the, the first half or third of the book. Was him reading leading revolutionary forces against right right uh, so... because
0: he's fighting he's fighting a, a Kang and he doesn't know whether or not this Kang is an earlier version of the Kang he dealt with or a different Kang or uh, a Kang of the future. He's just like I'm going to find a revenge against. It's just it's just unbridled uh, rebellion against Kang, whether it makes any sense or not.
1: Wasn't, wasn't it the same chick in this – well, not the same chick, but – That
0: was kind of it. Yeah, that was a weird aspect of it that I was like, what the hell is going on? Is she reincarnated? Is this the same person? Holy yeah, because there was that odd tribe figured, that he encountered in the
1: first book. I figured it out. They're going to give us a swerve.
0: Oh, it's. I hope so. It's got to be a swerve. They're, they're,
1: they're going to give us a swerve.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What would just happen when they introduced uh, Scion – the girl's a time traveler too, but traveling on the same, on different vibrations than what he, where he's out to con- conquer everything. Where she is, there's going to be the introduction of a time traveling, the same girl, because it was the same girl. Like, like earlier when I mentioned Scion, where it was like the, the, the King at the end of time that you didn't know was the end of time. You thought it was, and now there's something further, but at the mm-hmm. same time, a new character to complement King.
0: I, I mean, hope so. I hope they do something that like duplicates the the uh, existence or necessity of this character. They, they, she needs to stick around. She needs to be relevant
2: she, she because has we've to. never,
0: what we've never ever read in all in fifty years of Marvel comics, anything about Kang having a lost love.
1: Yeah, and, the, and like, the last issue, he was like an yes. alcoholic fucking loser. Like, training this guy in the prehistoric times. Like, never fall mm-hmm. in love. But, like, he, like every night he gets drunk and passes out. And, like, he was so fucking drunk and passed out, he didn't notice, like, original Kang that he brought back from the future to start the whole fucking thing. Uh, reprogrammed his suit and stole it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. how did he not see that coming? Um, if we have a nice compliment of something on a completely... Opposite side of the of the spectrum, looking for love, and this guy is just a lost man that's trying to conquer. Like they're all just looking for love and acceptance.
0: Essentially, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the basis of anything is finding that soulmate, or finding somebody that can stand you, or finding somebody that is uh, your degree of crazy. Who the hell knows? I mean, it's just relationship scenarios. I mean, basically, in this story, he finds this girl who is the Moon Knight of the time period, and uh, and uh, I mean, yeah, they're really pushing Moon Knight lately, Um, and um, he uh, he he's he gets, you know, they get before Ramatut Ramatut Blast, which who is Kang, by the way. Blast them with something that scrambles their minds, and it's like, okay, well, what are we going to do with her? She goes to the Pleasure Center, but we never heard anything else back, but he's mind-wiped to the point where he is leading the armies of Ramatut against his sworn enemy, uh, and Evanser, who is Apocalypse of the Mutants. So... We never saw that. Like, it would only make sense if Ramatut exists at the same time as Apocalypse, they would absolutely be fighting the hell out of each other. See, now, Otherwise, what was the point of going back there at all?
1: Here's my problem with it, is that Nsavad Noor at the time would have been younger looking and not blue. Um, they've established this a long time ago. Um Yeah but they they had him full-fledged like jim lee like ninety ninety one cartoon like mm-hmm. costume um he would have been younger he would have, like st- like still been establishing himself like the 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 it was really disjointing to me that they had him in the the jim lee costume
2: uh-huh um,
1: it it, it Especially now after what happened after Extra Swords and the reestablishing of the original, original, like, where he came from and and who his true love is. And, and I, di- I didn't like it. Okay. It, it really, like, where are we going with this? Because we've got multiple time travelers, we've got multiple, well, Apocalypse, is, has Apocalypse ever been a time traveler and then, like,
0: you know, no, I don't – he doesn't need a time travel. He's just – he is ever-present. So to me, I don't think it's a matter of time travel. I think it's that – because it's established that as soon as Rama Tut has taken over ancient Egypt, for one thing, our protagonist version of Kang is Iron Lad of the Young Avengers – and he meant he uh, he uh, manifests himself in Iron Man costume, uh, and I remember that being a big reveal in like 2008 or whatever when Young Avengers was going on. That Iron Lad was in fact a different version of Kang. So if you're asking where it's going, it is ultimately going to be cyclical and paradoxical. It, it'll it'll hit that point and then it'll pop back because. The weird thing was that he didn't know that he was Kang, or he was hoping that he wasn't Kang. But then he it like crushed him that he realized, oh my gosh, I'm Kang. Uh, in that whole business, so who the heck knows?
1: I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Um,
0: yeah, you know, yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty awesome.
1: These books have, like, kind of redefined a, uh, not redefined, like, established a new idea in my head of where comics should go, mm-hmm. and, or where they could go, uh, more, more specifically where they could go. Um, yeah. As opposed to, like, when I mentioned earlier, like, you know, like, Fantastic Four, or Spider-Man is written for six-year-olds, you know, like, of <laughs> a, a spinner rack. And I wasn't denouncing what was written, it was literally written for kids. And Uh it just happens to be our new um, fairy tales that are defining what people – like, how many – can you – if you had a business meeting today, even with – depending on what movie you're working on, who's not bringing up an Infinity War reference or or a Marvel reference? It it happens all the time. Oh, yeah, completely. It, It happens all the time. And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm glad they're making those connections, but like it started from something for children as American folklore, and mm-hmm. and now it's turning into a uh, very real chunk of our uh, regular daily lives. About like, oh, well, Thanos wouldn't have done that, or uh, oh, that that reminds me of the the show with Hawkeye, and mm-hmm. the, um, it's it's great stuff, uh, but. This is taking it to another level. Like, they're really going out of their way. Now, we're... Tony and I are always ranting and raving about what's going on in Detective right now, or Batman. Uh, this is a new threat. And, but unfortunately, it's, like, one of the only new threats going on. But we've got... Oh, yeah. Uh, it's fine. Uh, I, I told you about what's going on uh, on the, uh, the Onslaught story. Um, mm-hmm. The, Guys, um, I took up like 20... We would have had this episode wrapped up like 20 minutes shorter if I hadn't decided to tell him about the best story. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and it's funny because it only took me like 10 minutes to read the fucking story. Um, um, but that's... I'm loving what they're doing with Kang. I love the abstract idea of him. And the mm-hmm. fact that all these great things are happening around him... But they're not getting too convoluted. They're not getting too uh, like what happened. Like, hold on, I didn't read the last issue, so I'm completely disjointed. They they do good recaps. Everything's going good, and uh, but that's that's what I got about that man. That's uh, yeah. Next week, uh, I want to talk about because uh, I am going to have all you guys on the on the on the horn for uh, talking about Ice Cream Man and Lady Death. Mm, okay. But uh. We got new air coming up. We've got you're working already, and we're just constantly tired because we're pushing limits.
0: (laughs) We are uh, doing as much as we can with every given day. It's intense. Mm.
1: You got anything left, brother?
0: Um, let me double check my list. No, I mean, that was that's, that was Kang and Star Trek and Year 5, or, uh, yeah, Life Story and Maddie May. Damn. Yeah, no, that was it. I read a little bit more, but I didn't get the opportunity to go into it. I got the uh, Doctor Strange and the Eternal Thanos uh, and uh, Pennywise, number two, but uh, we can pop it. I mean, you guys knew that we were, we're going to look into that stuff a little bit, like, it's very hard for me to care about what's going on with this Eternals movie. If you're gonna have world-ending devastation scenarios and you're not gonna show up, forget about it. Like that's just a, it's just such a sucker thing to pull. But um, whatever.
1: I, I do my best to hold back because, like, both y'all, uh, you and Tony, always have like your own individual books that you're passionate about. But next week, yeah, you know, I'm gonna fuck you guys up. <laughs> Onslaught Revelations, X Men number 3, Fantastic Four number 36, uh, The Death of Doctor Strange, uh, Last Ronin number 4, King Spawn number 2, Moon Knight number 3, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, number 18, Alien number uh, number 7, G.I. Joe, a real American hero number 286. Yeah, we need to be reading G.I. Joe. Something is Killing the Children, number 20. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, uh, That Texas Blood, number 10. Um, King Shark, uh, issues 1 through 4. Digital uh, Flash, uh, number 775. Um, Shazam, number 3. Batman Detective, number 5. Yeah, uh... I'm sorry, I do my best to wrangle you all in, but next week, I'm gonna go fucking fuck wild, cause...
2: Get uh, nuts.
1: You wanna get nuts?
0: You wanna get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. Yeah, 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 Michael Keaton, man. Alright, dude, that's it. We'll do it, we'll do it. We'll do it again next week.
1: Hey, uh, random cool thing, uh, Went, to, went down to get lunch today because they gave us free lunch. And there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a little booth, and these two nurses are sitting there, and no one's around them. And they've got all this paperwork around them. What are you guys doing here? Oh, we're having flu shots. And I'm like, oh, I'd like a flu shot. Uh huh. And, uh, well, you gotta fill all this paperwork and you gotta go to the highway. And, and I'm like, how long is this gonna take? And, well, the, the the nurse that was actually sitting there that was, like, really innocent looking, there was this, like, bureaucrat talking to me. Well, you we could fill this out. I'm like, how long is it going to take? Well, fill this out. And I'm like, I really would like a flu shot because I do appreciate my flu shots. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, three minutes out, got my free-ass flu shot because the company I work for.
2: Got
0: your free-ass flu shot.
1: And then I uh, walk away going, like, I got my flu shot, went and got my free-ass lunch, went outside and smoked something, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, while well, I'm staring at the mountains reading comic books, it was a 20-minute break. Very well taken care of. I really shouldn't be bitching about name-making anything, anything at all.
0: Okay. Oh. Cool story. Uh, yeah, man. Well. (laughs) Cool story, bro. Fuck off. Cool story, bro. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about.
2: Um,
0: yeah. I'm going to say this. Uh, yeah. As far as my career goes right now, I'm not working. Um, people are working on horrendous projects and you're probably going to start seeing, uh, you probably not, you probably don't give a rip about this right now. Uh, minefielders unless you know somebody who works in the film industry, but you're going to start hearing about a general IATSE strike soon. And that is going to shut down all film production in this country because the studios, the distributors have walked away from negotiations for renegotiating our contracts, which comes up every three years. On a basic agreement and on an area standard agreement, and these are things that I know that you don't know what that means, but they are they pertain to how much we make and how much rest we get, and uh, we are getting burned out here in the crew world. And uh, if camera world wanted to strike, we would support them. And if art directors world wanted to strike, or SAG wanted to strike, or Writers wanted to strike like they did in 2007, we would would help them out. We would support them. But uh, right now, I don't know what it's going to be like. There's going to be a vote on whether or not we strike. And if we strike, there will be no film production. And uh, we've already seen all of these distributors and streaming providers that own content fail to... Push any of their pre-existing material and hold off on giving you the material you wanted. How long has it been since you saw a Top Gun trailer? And like, we're only now about to release a new James Bond movie, and it's been in the can for more than a year and a half, two years. Same thing. Like, when? How long did it take Black Widow to come out? And now there's an argument. Now Disney has fired and is uh, ex. Uh, what's the right word excommunicated excommunicated Hansen from any further Disney product because she's saying we should be getting I should be getting paid for all of that streaming as much as I should be getting paid for anything you're showing in the theater and they're like no 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 that doesn't matter as much but it matters as much when they're not getting paid oh, yeah. that's what we're that. that's one of the things I'm not going to go off on a whole tangent right now. I'll save it for next week because maybe next week is when we're going to have a vote and that's going to decide this thing. But when you wonder why is Ayazi striking, I will tell you. And if you have questions, you want to know, hit me up in a message on uh, any of our platforms and I'll get back to you. I'll tell you what it is that hurts so much about going to work because it is not all red carpets and Emmys. And when you wonder why Apple... Right now is a cell phone company, because they're not a music company, is uh, saying, yeah, well, you know, we don't have as many streaming subscribers, so we should start paying people less. But they just won four Emmys off of uh, Ted Lasso, and they're about to win multiple Oscars off of the show they just finished in my home state. Well, you know, I think you can come up with that money because people are paying to see your content, and uh, we deserve a living wage, let alone rest on the weekends and actual sit-down lunches. I'll go on and on about it. So anyway, that's a whole thing. But that's dangerous. This is dangerous, and this transmission is over.